0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Hey, 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 what up, what up, though? It's your boy Reggie Watkins and you are listening to I'm Probably Right. Radius, review, or us, subscribe, comment, but please don't be hating. And make sure you tell a friend if you like the podcast, tell a friend. Tell them to find us wherever you found the podcast. We're on uh, iTunes, Spotify, um, TuneIn, SoundCloud, all that good stuff, and mainly the Believe Podcast Network. That is B-L-E-A-V.com. Find us there and tell your friends about it. Share it. My man Kevin Cleland, as always, is engineering, producing the show. Kevin, happy Thanksgiving. How how, how you doing, bro?
1: I'm doing really good, especially with our picks last week. Uh, in addition to the three we talked about on the show, we all hit. We hit that one, all three of those games. Uh, I did fairly well on the rest of the uh, weekend. got ten right. I am now three games behind first place in my pick And most importantly, I'm one game ahead of my wife, finally.
0: Hey, that's all that counts. That's all that matters, right there. We gotta beat the wife. You know what I'm saying? Um, ten picks. Good lord, why why aren't you making these picks? Why am I doing this, and why aren't you doing this? You got ten right that week. I
1: did. I led the league.
0: Oh yeah. my gosh! I oh, well, we could have put that in on a parlay. Hell, I was talking to a guy at a poker game the other day, and he put in ten pick parlay, and he won. Wow! Like insane insane and i'm like dog all right so you got to share these magic secrets with me Uh, but i digress yo so this week we got a great show for you we are definitely going to talk about the return of deshaun watson we're gonna have some reggie's picks for you but first up So, Kevin, we have had quite the week in sports. I mean, we went from Thanksgiving. uh, We had some great games on the Thanksgiving day. Um, Not great games, but just great outcomes for us. Um, We had really good college football. um, USC got into the Pac-12 championship, and the boy Caleb Williams looks amazing and going to be the number one overall pick next year, unless he's abducted by aliens. Um, We had some good basketball. You know what I'm saying? The Lakers are are making some, you know, winning some games, coming back. They got LeBron healthy. AD's playing well. And after the Laker game um, that just happened, I believe this was on Tuesday, Tuesday uh, night, LeBron comes to the podium and he asked them, asked the media, why nobody had asked him about the Jerry Jones photo. And... Didn't want a response, would not let the media respond. Somebody tried to chime in and respond about it. But LeBron said, I don't even want you guys to answer me. I just, you know, I just want to know why you guys haven't asked me about that. You guys asked me about when all the Kyrie stuff was going on. You asked me about all of that. And Kyrie said, you know, when something happens with my people, keep the same energy and let's talk about it. And kudos to LeBron for calling the media out, for not always keeping the same energy for certain things that pertain to other communities that they might not be a part of. Right. Um, A lot of times they don't give a, a, a big voice to black struggle or black issues. However, the photo that LeBron is referring to is part of a story that is doing expressively what LeBron is castigating them for doing for not doing. He's saying that they're not giving voices to things that really matter about the black community. When this photo from the Washington Post is a story about Jerry Jones and his unwillingness to be a part of pushing diversity forward in the NFL. It's exactly what (laughs) that's exactly what LeBron wants the media to do. And this is the thing. I thought LeBron was great for bringing this up. But then on the other hand, LeBron was showing a little bit more of his corniness by showing that he didn't actually even read the article that's attached to this photo. Because if you came away from reading this article and the only thing you cared about was this photo from 1957 showing Jerry Jones standing at the outside of, of, a, of a crowd of people trying to keep six black kids from getting into North Little Rock High then you missed the whole boat on the thing. You, you, you didn't actually read the thing or get any real context from it. Because the photo is basically a microcosm of Jerry Jones. And by no means does this story in the Washington Post make Jerry Jones look good. It makes Jerry Jones look very bad. Very bad. And it also makes Jerry Jones look like he doesn't give a damn if he does look bad or not because he's a billionaire and y'all ain't gonna tell him nothing about himself. The photo that I'm speaking about is from 1957 um, at Arkansas's North Little Rock High where the doors are being blocked by some bullying white kids and definitely some racists. one kid with a cigarette in his mouth, another kid right behind him sneering and laughing and some other people laughing around. And then Jerry Jones is about three rows deep looking in and trying to see what's going on. And when they asked Jerry Jones about the photo, he said he was just there as a curious, you know, uh, 14-year-old. I think he was 14 or 15 years old. He was just coming to check things out and see what was going on. Nah, Jerry, come on. Like, and this is the thing, I don't I I don't pretend to be like, oh, my God, Jerry Jones might have been at at a racist event where they were trying to keep black people from going to school. Duh. Jerry, this is 1957 in Arkansas. There's a reason that these black kids are trying to get into the school. Why are they trying to get in? Because they've been kept out forever. This is a school that Jerry Jones goes to. It's called segregation. It was in Arkansas in 1957. He was 14 years old. If you read the story, you find out that Jerry's dad used to own a grocery store in uh, their neighborhood of of, of, Little Rock. One little caveat to the store. They were the only grocery store in the town that would allow black people to come in the front door and actually shop because just like Jerry Jerry's dad was about getting them dollars so he was he was he wasn't going to tell black people you had to do that no he going to make you feel comfortable to come in and spend your money but he also ran for public office when Jerry was uh, was a teenager and he ran on a platform of segregation keeping it installed Jerry's grandfather kicked it with the Klan so What do you think Jerry Jones was doing outside of North Little Rock High School, the school that he went to in 1957? He wasn't there to usher them kids in. He was there, a part of the crowd, watching, making sure that kid wasn't going to school with them. It just is what it is. And I mean, hell, most, most white men of that age at that time in that area were probably doing the same damn thing. I'm not holding that against him. I'm not holding that against a 14 year old kid for being what being a product of their environment. I mean, I don't expect him to be this educated savant at 14 years old and know the the wrongs and be on the right side of history all the time. Hell, when I was 14, I definitely wasn't on the right side of history all the time. Believe me, and I I, challenge any of you out there listening to tell me you were always on the right side of history when you were in your younger years. But what the article points out is Jerry Jones's willingness to stand by and watch when he has the power to do something. And what does he and this this is a whole this is a whole like a, a story they're doing in The Washington Post called Blackout. And uh, it's talking about the NFL's decades long failure to equitably promote black coaches to top jobs, despite the multi-billion-dollar league being fueled by black players. Like, it's it's a whole series. And this one, Jerry Jones decided to sit down. And, hell, kudos to Jerry Jones for actually being willing to sit down because they asked all 32 of the owners. Jerry Jones was the only one who did it. Why did he do it? Because Jerry, don't give a damn what you think about him because Jerry gone Jerry. And two, (laughs) any publicity is good publicity in Jerry's mind, right? So he sits down for this thing, and he's basically giving – Non-answers. When they're asking him questions about why'd you do this and why'd you do that? You know, why have you never hired a black coach? He's had eight coaches in his coaching, in his, in his ownership of the Cowboys. Eight coaches. Never hired one black man as, to be his head coach. He's had one uh, defensive defensive coordinator and one offensive coordinator as a black man. All the people he's ever hired have been... Friends of his, he hired Jimmy Johnson the first time to be the coach of the Cowboys coming from Miami. He was his college roommate where they played at the University of Arkansas on, guess what, an all-white team because it was still segregated. The next coach of the Dallas Cowboys was Barry Switzer, who had never coached in the NFL, but he used to be a coach's assistant. Where at? At Arkansas with Jerry Jones. He's had a history. Then he hired guys who were his defensive, who were who were already on his his staff. He hired. Hell, Jason Garrett stayed there for 10 seasons with a less than 500 record, all because he's his daddy used to be a scout for the Cowboys. Jerry Jones hires people he knows. And that is the crux of what happens in the NFL with their hiring practices. They hire people they know. And these billionaires don't seem to know no black people ever. They don't. They just don't seem to know no black coaches for some reason. They keep retreading and hiring the same people over and over, and then they hire these "quote unquote" geniuses from college or whatever. When, like we just said, hell, seventy percent of the workforce is black people. So I, my problem with LeBron, and again with LeBron, is what happens is we start engaging in whataboutism, right? It's what about, well, okay, we're talking about this, well, what about that? When we do what about is, and we can't ever really get to the point of what the actual issue is because we're just taking it all the way down every street. We're making a right turn here and a left turn here and a right turn here. Why can't we stay on the same street and talk about what the actual issue is? The issue isn't LeBron bringing up the Jerry Jones photo. The issue is how come black people aren't getting hired in the NFL to be head coaches? That's the issue. And then you got a, a synopsis here where Jerry Jones is at a he's at he's at a meeting for where they're talking about how black coaches can get more involved. And it's like a, a group of black men trying to you know have a, a symposium about getting into the NFL and getting hired. And Jerry Jones is there basically giving them a, a story about pulling himself up by the bootstraps and getting himself into Augusta national to play golf with a guy who ended up giving him a big energy deal in Arkansas. And that kicked off his billion dollar empire. And he's telling them to these, these black men and they're like, yo doc, do you understand that this is a golf course that wouldn't even let me play there until <laughs> hell until 1990. Like, what are you talking about? What, what the hell are you talking about? Well, if you have some gumption, he's, he's basically telling people you just have to want it more than anybody else. That sounds good, Jerry, when you've got money in your pocket. That sounds good when you know the politicians. That sounds good when you can go to Augusta National. That sounds good when you got a homeboy who can get you into Augusta National. It don't sound good when you ain't got none of that. And when you do get a chance to do something, you're on pins and needles because, hell, black coaches get fired quicker than the white dudes do too. And yeah, I know. I, I it, it gets annoying having to talk about this. In this landscape all the time. It always becomes about race or some kind of politics or whatever. But we can't escape it because it's all woven into the fabric of everything that we're doing. Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones famously didn't want anybody standing, sitting for them I mean, kneeling for the national anthem. That was the big Colin Ka- Oh, well, hey, ain't none of my players better sit, better kneel for the anthem. Well, I'll cut anyway. I won't start them, is what he said. Then he went and negotiated that, hey, We'll kneel before the anthem and then we'll stand and lock arms during the anthem, which pleased nobody. He right? just upset half the people on one side and the other half on the other side. And that's what they do. Right. He's always trying to broker some kind of deal to make sure that that he's making the most money possible, and not pissing people off, but not just not pissing people off. Basically, just not trying to piss off white people. Because. If you really gave a damn about this thing, you would be with your players having their backs, taking the knee when they wanted to take a knee about it instead of trying to make the optics look like, oh, OK, we're going to do this real quick and then we're going to stand up. And they never want their they don't ever. And it, it's it's really they don't want the players politics to be involved in the thing, right? They're always talking about well, we don't want, you know, it's not the place, this isn't the right time. Yo, but it's the right time up in your sky booth to have said politician up there. It's the right time for you to be donating to said politicians' presidential campaign or uh uh governor campaign, right? But when it's time for the players to make a political stance, nah, we can't be having none of that. So that's my issue with the Jerry Washington Post thing and the LeBron thing. I think it's great that LeBron brought it up. I just wish that LeBron, because LeBron gets in this area of, and I've been here before, not on the scale of where he's at, but I've been here before when I was, you know, um, putting together protests and out there marching in the streets after um, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's murders and uh, just the civil unrest that was going on in 2020. And I remember being at the front of this organization. And as soon as I was at the front, people were coming to me every single day with some issue. They wanted to know what I thought about it. And was I going to go protest for this? And was I going to go stand up for that? And LeBron gets in this area because he has such a huge platform and because he's spoken on certain things before. is He gets into an area where he feels like he has to say something about everything. And, dog, you don't have to do that. Like sometimes you just got to let it lay where it lay. Right. You didn't have nothing to say about China when all the atrocities were going on over there because you make billions of dollars over there. And that's understandable. You got something to say about police injustice here when it's happening right in front of your face. That's understandable. He didn't really have nothing to say when uh, Tamir Rice got got murdered in Cleveland when he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And what happens is you end up cherry picking what you're gonna what you're gonna be about and what you're not gonna be about. So sometimes you gotta just lay back and not have. Sometimes you just gotta lay back and, and it ain't your day to be talking about everything, right? Because people ain't always trying to ask because they really care about what you have to say. Some people just using it as ammunition for something to kill you about later. And so I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know if LeBron listening to this podcast or somebody who kicks it with LeBron is listening, but yo. You ain't got to have an opinion on every damn thing, right? Sometimes let people who are more knowledgeable about the situation deal with it. And I'm glad that he spoke up and said something to the media because maybe now they will have something to say. But the problem is when you say, I don't even want you guys to to answer me. Now you're just shutting them off because you know they're going to talk to you about exactly what it was. And then they're probably going to ask him, LeBron, LeBron. Did you actually read the article, which you can tell he didn't because he took only the photo out of this thing. And then you're going to get all the means coming up with LeBron capping again, talk about this and that when he ain't really done none of this or that. Like the Malcolm X book that he got, he still be on page two or three. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But great talking piece, great way for us to get up and have some conversations about it. And it's letting us know it is what it is, right? We've known this about Jerry Jones. And I was in, I was on Instagram with somebody the other day, and we're having a discussion going back and forth. And they're like, well, you can't really say Jerry Jones is a racist, and you really can't. If you can't really say if someone is or isn't a racist, yeah, they're probably just a little bit racist. There probably is some reason to think that they might have some racism. in it. If you can't distinctively say yes or no, the same way I said it with Kyrie Irving, there should never be any uh, consternation. There should never be any pause. When somebody asks you if you're an anti-Semite or you have uh, you hold anti-Semitic views, the answer categorically is no. There is no. Eh, well, he could be. Well, he's trying to say this. No, there is no. No, 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 no. Just just no. That's it. No, you're racist. No, there should not be a well yeah yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, no, 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 no. Just 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 just, just no. But it's a brilliant article. Uh, Written by David uh, Marinus and Sally Jenkins for The Washington Post. I suggest you read it and check it out. They have The Washington Post behind a paywall now because, you know, they're a newspaper. The newspapers are dying, so they're trying to get all the money they can get. So if you want to read the articles, you have to subscribe to The Washington Post. Uh, However, they give you like four free articles if you do that. But, you know, I pay the damn subscription because I like to be knowing shit. Back after the break. So this Sunday is the return of Deshaun Watson. Hell, it's the return of Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns and the NFL, and he's actually returning to his last, his first team, the Houston Texans, where most of his twenty-six, I want to say, uh, sexual misconduct lawsuits were uh, were filed. And I don't know how the hell to talk about this thing, man. Um, because if you listen to this show, we've been on a journey with Deshaun Watson. I've been on a journey because, you know, I was one of the first... When it first came out, I was kind of skeptical. The first couple, It was a couple of women. I was like, yo, man, you know... They, uh, rich dudes this kind of thing happens and then you know it turned into more And i'm like i don't know and then you start to hear about some of the massage parlor ladies and i'm like okay uh maybe some of these massage parlors i'm and the most scrupulous and then you hear more and more and then you come to find out that some of the people I, I just found this out the other day actually that uh there were some women who didn't even file civil suits against him they didn't even take settlements there were people who just wanted to be on the record to say that this man did this thing and they didn't want it to be about the money um and so i've had to pull back on my support of washington at first because before watson because i mean if we go through the timeline of what watson has been has been in the national you know just spotlight uh he came from clemson beat alabama uh in a national title game and looked absolutely amazing um went to the NFL draft where he was drafted by the Houston Texans got there played great his rookie year until he got injured and had a knee injury and was gone came back and in the next 2 years had them winning the AFC South in consecutive years despite not having a great team and then in 20 uh, I believe 2019 the bottom fell out or twenty twenty twelve, twenty twenty. 2012 2020 Bottom fell out, and uh, you know they went four and twelve. And then he demanded a trade, and it seemed like he was trying to get a trade because he was saying that you know he wanted some black coaches. Hell, we just go back to the last segment. He wanted to have a black coach in there, and they got rid of uh, uh gosh, they got rid of oh, oh boy, O'Brien. They got rid of O'Brien, and he wanted to have a say in who was going to be the next coach, and you know talk about the general manager as well. And then the Houston Texans hired Nick Casario, um, uh, some white dude, and. Deshaun was like, yo, I want to be traded. I'm out. And that started some real, you know, some real sway and some love for me, for Deshaun, because I'm like, yo, this dude's standing up trying to say, yo, I want to get some more brothers hired up in this league. And I can rock with that and then we come to find out about all the allegations and whatnot. And like I said in the beginning I was like, yeah, I don't know. This this could be some kind of money grabs and all that stuff. And then as more and more women came out, it started to sound a little bit worse. But through it all, Deshaun Watson still came out on top. Uh the Cleveland Browns ended up giving this dude and Cleveland Browns gave this dude a 230 guaranteed 230 million guaranteed contract guaranteed i think it's 230 or is it is 250 guaranteed for a dude who's coming off this and could have possibly been in trouble with the law right but once they gave him that guaranteed contract you kind of knew that there was not going to be any law involved because they're going to get to the middle they're not going to give somebody 230 million guaranteed and not have the law on their side right um but they structured the they structured the contract in such a way that his first year, Deshaun Watson is only losing six hundred ninety nine thousand dollars because of the suspension. He got eleven game suspension. Initially, the league uh tried to give him a year. Uh, they had an arbitrator come in. Arbitrator Sue L. Robinson said, "I can only give him six because of, based on the precedent you guys have set." the nfl hired another special uh you know mediator and then that guy said oh let's make it 11 and so they made it 11 games and the browns through 11 games i believe they're at four and seven right now with a real chance if deshaun watson shows up and turns this thing around for them these cats could mess around and go to the playoffs and I'm interested to see how people are going to react when Deshaun Watson comes back, because hell, during the preseason games, they had people there booing, you know, of course, of course, know people there booing. There's people there chanting sick fuck. You know what I mean? You sick fuck. Uh, they had people there chanting no means no. Um, and this Sunday in Houston, Tony Busby, who represented, you know, all the women, the 24 women who filed, uh, you know, who who settled lawsuits with him. Ten of the women are going to be there at the stadium. The guy rented a booth at NRG Stadium and they're going to have the ten women there. And that also makes you think about something else, too, is like if these women were just in it for money, you know, and this took a little settlement, then why are they still showing up to this game? And... One can only think they just don't want to be silenced or not be heard anymore. And so that makes me think a little bit more, like gives gives more credence to what they were saying. And and when you read the report on what this dude was doing, he was a damn predator. Like he was I mean, he wasn't physically and the judge even said he wasn't physically violently harming these people, but he was a damn menace. And so what do we do? When the guy comes back, because it 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 all falls in line with what we. What we want as sports fans, most people just want their team to win, and we don't care about the we don't we don't care about the politics until it affects us. We're not empathetic until something happens to us, and so. I'm I'm struggling at how to do it. I, I, hell, I envy anybody who's do The people who are doing the game, who are going to be analyzing the game and talking about him, because you can't. Talk about him without talking about why he's been gone for so long. And if you're not, then you just sound like you're whack and you're hiding from the reality of the situation. And what do you make of like the Cleveland Browns? I mean, they've already told you what they're about. They want to just win football games. They did not care about what was going on with him and these women. They gave that dude all the money in the world so that he would definitely come there. They had to because it's Cleveland. and. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as he comes back and plays well, they won. Cleveland won. Deshaun Watson won. Deshaun Watson got out of Houston, didn't have to stay where he didn't want to stay. He got a guaranteed contract of two hundred thirty or two hundred fifty million dollars, the the largest of its kind ever. And he might be able to win some games because they got a really good team. And I don't you know. He's not criminally charged with anything. He's not facing any, he's not going to go to jail. So I can't be on here on a soapbox killing that man. Yo, he paid his settlements and he did what he's supposed to do. But damn, it's hard to root. How are you going to root for that guy? You can't be, you can't be rooting for him. I mean, how are you going to be in a room full of women watching the game? And especially if they care about football and they're like, yo, this dude, how can you be there rooting for that guy? And Lord, I don't want to see these damn signs that they got in Cleveland. I, you know, you've already seen the dude, people with the signs talking about uh, you know, uh, what is that? Uh, happy endings aren't illegal. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the dudes there's a famous picture with the dude with his son and and something about, you know, forget them hoes or whatever. Like, Doug, this is this, the the toxicness that's gonna to come from this is insane. And the 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 real losers here are just the women like, you know, you have to think about it and think about, you know, some of these women. I've read some of the reports of some of these women, you know, they, they feel mentally scarred and, you know, they don't want to do massage therapy anymore. And some of the women uh, had to get off Instagram because people found them and were talking, talking crazy to them and death threats and things like that. Oh, man. And the Houston Texans are losers, and I don't give a damn about them losing because football teams print money. They're still making money no matter what, but they lost a franchise quarterback, and they're stuck with Davis Mills, and (laughs) General Mills would have been better. I don't know, and they're just at a bad place. They're probably going to have the number one overall pick, and um, they're losing. But it's going to be tricky to see how people talk about this. And I'm interested to see this game and see what the reaction is from the crowd and the fans and if he's booed every time he touches the ball and how long it lasts and who's outside the stadium. Are, are women's groups advocates going to show up are they going to be there every week? And it's just a lot, man. Interesting time we're living in. Back out of the break. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, Hey, Kevin, we went 3-0 and last week, yes, baby Yes, we did 3-0, and 3-0 And now we're going to try to go 3-0 and this week I'm feeling real good about these picks I'm feeling real good about these games I'm ready to go, man What we got up first?
1: Alright, let's uh, kind of start off where we left off uh, Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans Houston Texans are getting 7.5 points going to be a controversial game
0: Very controversial It's in Houston They are not good The Cleveland Browns are pretty good, and they're getting an all-pro quarterback back, although he has not played in 11 games, 11 weeks, right? So he's going to be a little rusty. However, I would take the 7.5. The Houston Texans are trash, trash. They're not good. They're really bad. I think the Browns and and Watson, they'll show up and be ready to go. I would take the seven and a half on this one. And, hell, the over-under is 46 and a half. I'd take the under. Yeah. If you want to mess around for real, take the under. Because with Deshaun Watson being a little rusty and the Houston Texans not being good, I can't see a lot of points being scored in this game. So, the under's a nice little one to play there, too. What we got next, Kevin? All right. Let's go to Miami
1: at San Francisco. San Francisco Uh. minus three and a half
0: home game for you uh, oh this is my team as y'all know i'm a 49er fan and i don't know about this game man because if we want to keep it 100 the 49ers haven't really beat anybody you know anybody really good since they've had mccaffrey they've been beating up on some bums And I just like to keep it 100, right? We beat the Arizona Cardinals without Kyler Murray. And as I'm watching that game, if they had Kyler Murray, I would have picked the Cardinals to win that game in Mexico. And the last time we played a really good team with a good offense was the Kansas City Chiefs, and we got doo doo Okay, (laughs) So I'm seeing this. I'm seeing the Dolphins come in. And the Dolphins have some things that the Niners just can't protect against. The Niners' defense is, is great. We're really good at, you know, rushing the quarterback with only four, but our DBs are not good. And the Miami Dolphins have receivers that are very, very, very good, namely Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And they got a quarterback who gets them the ball and allows them to run after the catch. I am really scared of this game right here. And, and on top of that, our offense, Jimmy G constantly shows us who he is. Last week against the Saints, we only put up 13 points. He's uh It's three and a half. The Niners are getting or giving three and a half. I would take the I would take the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are gonna win this game. That's just I hope the Niners win, but I think the Dolphins are just their offense is too good. Unless Jimmy G shows up and has the game of his life. If Jimmy G shows up and doesn't play like Jimmy G, we can win this game. But if he's Jimmy G, we lose. So if I have to pick, I'm going to take the Dolphins three and a half. And and the over-under is 46 and a half as well. I'm not touching that. I'm not touching the over-under. But I will take the Dolphins plus three and a half. What we got next?
1: All right, let's go to... A good AFC matchup here Chiefs at Cincinnati Cincinnati is getting two and a half
0: points Woo Chiefs and Bengals This one right here, this is a rematch of the AFC championship from last year When Patrick Mahomes lost his damn mind In the second half and just didn't play Like anybody that we'd ever seen before And they end up losing this game And kept the Bengals on this Magical run that got them to a Super Bowl Which is not going to happen again Yeah Um, It's in Cincinnati. The Chiefs are a two-point favorite. I'm gonna stick with the Chiefs here. Even though Joe Burrow's been playing really well, I don't know if Jamar Chase is back yet. And without Jamar Chase, that offense is not the same. Now I will say they should be able to put up some points. So the 53 as as the over-under, I'm taking that. I'm going over. I'm going the, over the 53 because I definitely think that they'll be able to put up some points in this game. I'm going to take the Chiefs minus two. That's a good number right now. You, what would what, you have it that, Kevin? Do you have it at minus two and a half? Uh, yeah, I had it at two and a half. Two and a half. I'll take the two and a half. I think it's a three-point game. It's, it's a three-point game for sure. Most games come down to three points or, or, or more. Um, so I'm going to take. The three point of the two and a half points with the Kansas City Chiefs, and I take the over and the 53 points. So, what do we got? Let's recap it. We got the Texans, we got the the Browns covering seven and a half, and the under of 46.5. We got the Dolphins plus three and a half. Uh, we're staying away from that over under, and we got the Bengals, we got the Chiefs minus two and a half and the over of 53 but I'm not holding on to all of those bets I'm just taking I'm just taking three of them for sure Kevin I'm taking three of them for sure Got it. the for sure that I'm taking is I'm gonna take the Kansas City minus two and a half and I'll take the over of 53 yep. and I'll take the under 46 and a half with the Texans and the Browns those are my three lock them in I'm probably right. Thank you for listening. Rate us, review us, subscribe, comment, but please don't be hating. Make sure you share and tell a friend if you like the podcast. Find us anywhere you find your podcast: iTunes, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, SoundCloud, all the good stuff. And the Believe Podcast Network, that's B-L-E-A-V.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Proper Cloth. Propercloth.com. Right price, they'll get you looking nice. Thank you so much, Kevin Cleland, for engineering, producing. We appreciate you so much. Thank y'all for listening.